your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And um, appreciate everybody getting here early for choir practice, whatever time that was. And um, I know it's early to get here and practice. But man, you've you blessed me tonight. I promise you that. I got all kinds of timers here tonight. I got a 10 minute timer. I got a 20 minute timer. I got a 60 minute timer. I got an hour and 20 minute timer. And uh, we'll settle in on 40 and see what happens. Um, I'll tell you what, that song that they were singing got it on a playlist and uh, it was a few weeks ago I was listening to that song <clears throat> and uh, sometimes you are I am not so much in the church but outside you you get a little concerned about people's perception of you and um, I was out at Westgate and I cry a lot and I know some of y'all think I'm hard hard as nails I love the Lord and uh, I was out running and I'd come down through that you go through the woods uh, for about I was a little over almost two miles out at Westgate and I was coming up that uh, one of those on the back side of that and that song kicked in and I couldn't help it I just tears I mean you you're and then I seen way off down somebody's meeting me and uh, you think I'm, I know they're going to think I'm nuts I'm crazy so I went to wiping tears and getting them out of my eyes and, and um, but I felt what they were doing and I'm just going to tell you this if you can get this right here what we've experienced here tonight if you can get it out of here and get it in Monday through Friday, whether it's at, a, at your home, whether it's in your car, I'm going to tell you what, there is a key to living a victorious life if you can take this and move it out into your regular week. Because the presence of God is not just for a church building. We're, we're the church. And I want the Spirit of the Lord to always be able to touch and to minister uh, in, <clears throat> in my life. And um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I would like to start. Let's start in 17. I know I told you 18, but let's start in verse 17. The Bible says there, And David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. 
David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And uh, <clears throat> has any of you caught me? Anybody caught me? Anybody writing your Bibles? Anybody catch me? You raise your hand if you did. Sister Rhonda, don't be shy. Anybody else catch me? Surprised Brother Brian Fears didn't, and I'm surprised my mother didn't. She must have a different Bible. Um, I am, um, <clears throat> I guess I didn't expect uh, Brother Harold's passing to kind of affect me like it did, but um, it, it really is, is, um, it's made. Just, um, it's just, just there, and uh, I can already tell I'm gonna dread <clears throat> when my parents pass away, and I'm gonna dread when Brother Patterson passes away. There's others here that I'm close to. I feel like I am, um, but just family, and I just feel. That with Brother Harold's passing. And uh, I put this message together March 31st, 2002. And if you hadn't maybe watched his funeral, Bridge City United Pentecostal Church on YouTube, it's two hours and 12 minutes. You, you owe it to yourself to, to go watch his memorial service. It's inspiring. So I have kind of in my mind just revisited some old sermons uh, that he kind of, I'm just going to say he helped me with. And this is one of them. Last Sunday morning was one of them. Last Sunday night was a part. And then here tonight what I'm preaching to you is, is, a, is some of his influence. I appreciate what he did for a lot of preachers and uh, I'm going to do my best here tonight that whenever you leave here I'm sure you're, all your problems they're not going to disappear they'll still be they'll still be with you but I pray that when you leave here tonight that you're just going to have just uh, maybe just tightened up your jaw say I'm going after it I'm not going to stop and so I'm going to preach to you <clears throat> about against the odds let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here tonight Lord I'm thankful Lord for this day I'm thankful Lord for everything that took place in every Sunday school class here on this campus this morning I'm thankful, God, for the faithfulness, Lord, that 
God, that people week in and week out devote, Lord, to your house. I'm thankful, Lord, for tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, for the prayer, the inspiration, God, that we felt before the service. Thank God for Malachi. I pray, Lord, tonight that, God, until we walk out of this sanctuary, that our minds and hearts would be, Lord, devoted to you. But, Jesus, help us to take what we have here and mix it in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have to tell you this here tonight. It's not the first time I've ever said this. But life and service for God will not make you immune from obstacles that you have to move through. And I am becoming more and more convinced that the longer that I live, the more I realize that there's got to be something on the inside of your heart that helps you, a burning in your heart, that helps you to press on against the odds that sometimes oppose us. Paul wrote it like this, familiar verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, the Bible says, Therefore, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I believe that if we're not careful that the devil will embezzle and steal things out of your life if you do not carefully guard and, and, and just remain vigilant about those particular things. He will try to uh, plunder your joy. He will try to rob you of, of victory. He will try to take encouragement and let it sometimes slowly leak out of your heart. He, he will try to kidnap our children that... He will try to put them in a place of worldliness, and that's got to stop. That's got to, that's got to quit. There's got to be something in us as parents and, and particularly as fathers that we have to just say that, that, that enough is enough and that, that my spiritual state very much affects the spiritual state of my children. There's other times where that, that the enemy would try to tear apart our prayers and try to mock your worship. He'll try to get you into a service like we have had here tonight and keep you distracted and keep you in a place where that, that you can't clap your hands, you can't open your mouth, and you can't raise your hands. But he really would love to steal our peace. That's what he's really after. He wants to keep you in a place where that, that your mind is so troubled 
about a thousand different things and about how that, that you wrestle inside uh, of your heart. But yet, there's, there's another side to that, and that's this is that if you go after the things that, that perhaps have escaped your life, then this story, the portion of this that we read here tonight, it tells us that we can go back and we can pursue and we can recover those things. Because I'm going to tell you this, that as you, all of those songs that we sung here tonight, if you didn't notice, what it was doing is that we were lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would tell you this here tonight, that you have things in your own arsenal. You have matters that the Lord has put into your spirit that, that it can help you to be able to fight and yet here's what sometimes that we forget is that we have to arise and pursue we've got to get up and we've got to go after they're not going to come to us just out of wishful thinking and just out of the part to say that, that you know I kind of might like to have that back again there is going to have to be something in your heart and in your spirit that says I'm going to go back and I'm going to get those things that has been taken away from me. The setting of the story here tonight in 1 Samuel 30 is, is leading up to uh, the, the part that David has had to deal with for quite some time. You start uh, there in 1 Samuel 16 where it talks about how that, that David faced Goliath and then moving on through the chapters there in 1 Samuel and, and through a large portion of, of 2 Samuel, it covers the biography of the life there of David. And, and in, Psalm, or in 1 Samuel 29, here is, is David and he's running away from Saul he is uh, he's being pursued by him and I I dare say that that when you start looking at and the pursuits and the times where that Saul was going after David that that it probably almost unhinged David in fact we can read his psalms and realize that there was a depth that was inside of him that that lets us know that he worried I thank God that I know that he worried Y'all didn't get that. Brother Adam, you're right. They didn't hear what I said. Um, you, you get it. You, you, you know. I think most of all of us here tonight, if you're willing to admit it, that, that there's somewhere in your life that there was a tendency to worry. And if you hadn't got to that point, thank God you are a blessed person not to be able to have to contend with that worry. But David, whenever he starts, uh, especially in those Psalms where it starts pouring out in prayers uh, to the Lord, we realize that, that, that in that part where that he was fleeing from Saul, that, that he gets to a place. In, in fact, you see there uh, in the opening of 1 Samuel 29 that David was at a place, and the name of that place was called Aphek. And, uh, and, and if you look at it, uh, it was three days' journey away from Ziklag. And so while David is there, now think about that. You are three days away, three days' travel. There are no Hampton Inns. There are no Motel 6s where they're going to leave the light on for you. There, there is no Continental Breakfast. 
There are no drive-throughs. There are no Ubers. There are no airlines to be able to get you uh, from a three days journey. And so imagine where that, that David is. He is three days away from Ziklag. And while that he is there in Aphek, the Amalekites start working destruction in the only safe place that David really has. He had grouped up uh, his, the, the, his men and their wives and their families that had been left there in uh, Ziklag. It, it was all Almost like that that these people, these Amalekites that that had bothered and badgered and troubled Israel much of that way. In, in fact, uh, you can see it from the time that they left Egypt until the time that they got into the promised land that the Amalekites were constantly trying to create havoc there in the lives of those placed people. And finally, the Lord had had enough. He said, I, I'm done with this. And and uh, the Bible tells us that, that he tells Saul, Saul, I want you to go down. He's listening through Samuel and... and uh and Samuel gets involved in all that. Y'all, many of you know the story there about how that, that he was supposed to go down and wipe out the Amalekites. Now, critics of the Bible would want to say that that is genocide, but really it's just to serve because the whole story is that several hundred years prior to that, they had... Uh, they had brutally attacked Israel, and uh, they had, had caught up in the back end of the, of, of the uh, caravan there, and they had taken advantage of the young and the sick and the elderly. And, uh, and so now the people that, that are critics of the Word of God, they, they want to say, well, this is genocide when really it's nothing more than just justice that's being worked out. And so Saul's instructions were was that he was supposed Supposed to go down and he was to take care of the Amalekites. But you know the story how that he went down there and he decided instead of doing what God had told him to do, he was partially obedient. And then when Samuel gets up there, he realizes that, that Agag, the king, has, has been spared. And he realizes that, that he saved some of the sacrifices so that, that what is Saul wanting to do? He's wanting to look good in the eyes of the people and whenever Samuel walks in there he, he tells him that verse that, that you probably all have heard here at some point in your life where he says that rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft it's rebellion he didn't submit and so the principle that, that we have to realize is that sometimes incomplete obedience is not just going to affect right there but it's going to have an impact in the days to come and there will be people that will be around us that will fall under the sway of the shrapnel that comes there in their direction and it will hurt them because we are not completely obedient to the Lord there and so it is that now the Amalekites because they had, had not been dealt with by Saul they started heckling David and his men and the story tells us 
that there in his absence, in David's absence, they came and, and literally disrupted the lives of all of the settlement that was there in that city of Ziklag. All of those wives of David and, and his men were taken. It was a very discouraging moment for David because not only did he was he three days away, but but the Bible tells us that there got to be also had a part of his guys that were just wore out and 600 men, he left 200 behind and, and uh, let them sort of rest a little bit. But, but there became a mutiny that developed there and they started talking about, well, I tell you what, we need to, we need to eradicate and we need to kill uh, David. David was, was not uh, what he should have been and so now we have got this dilemma here in our lives. And one of the most, I guess you'd say, one of the most powerful scriptures that, that you can read in the Word of God is that when David came, all and he's having to deal with all of those obstacles against uh, him that the Bible tells us that he encouraged himself in the Lord. I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get encouragement from a preacher. You're not going to be able to get encouragement from a brother or a sister. There are some times where you just got to reach down inside of your soul and you've got to encourage yourself. That means you're going to have to look back at your history. You're going to have to rehearse some victories and you got to rever rehearse some things in your mind and life where that the Lord provided for the need that was there and the Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. But now he's at this place and the trouble that is there at Ziklag. There's a lot of factors that that perhaps uh, contributed to that particular matter. But sometimes we find that that in our walk with the Lord, that that we realize that that uh, man, I feel overwhelmed. I feel discouraged. I, I feel uh, I feel trouble. And you start looking around, and uh, you start thinking, man, it's never going to come to pass. It's never going to fall into place. It seems like that, that I spent my life going uphill both ways, barefooted, in the snow, and there's no biscuits in my lunchbox. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like the place where that 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 the miles are there and and uh, you can't see around the bend and and you don't know how in the world that it's going to work out and and uh, it's in those moments that there are times where that the weariness of the battle can can so get into your not just your physical body, but it can get into your mind and you can be so literally exhausted that you're like, I don't know if I can go another step. I don't know if I'm going to be able to put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> but the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 17, here's what it says. It said that David smote them from the twilight even un. And to the evening of the next day, Here, here's a principle in that. When you get tired and weary and uh, you wonder if you're going to be able to make it another step, 
that, that you've got to understand this, that there's times where that the battle is not going to be won in a day. Sometimes it's going to bleed over into the night. It may even bleed over into the next day. It may bleed over into the next week. A church is not going to be built in a day. A man of God is not going to be built in a day. A prayer warrior is not going to be built in a day. A saint of God, a child of God is not going to be built in a single day. It's going to take you a lifetime. I remember one of the things that Brother Harold told me one time. He, he told me, he said, I'm going to tell you what, Brother Harrelson, he said, just you and Brother Patterson there, he said, you, you've got to realize, he said, it's going to take both of y'all, y'all's entire lives to do what God's called you to do. Now, if y'all are expecting me to be around here 88 or 89 or 90 or 95 years, trust me, I don't have the same genes that Brother Patterson's got. I'm on, I don't even know how I'm even, even going to scratch 80. Uh, but, but, but here's what I know. I, I know this, that, that the family that you're raising right now is going to take more than just one church service. It's going to take more than just one week. It's going to take more than just a month or, or a year. There is a part where that you're investing things in and you're depositing things. And, and here's what you got to realize. You've got to realize, you know what? I'm just going to stay at it. It doesn't matter how tired I get. It doesn't matter how weary I get. It doesn't matter how discouraged I get. I'm going to go against the odds. Let the naysayers talk. Let all the critics line up and sing in a choir. But I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep fighting. And if I got to fight into the night, if I got to fight into the wee hours of the morning, if I've got to fight into the next day, then there's going to be something inside of my heart and my spirit, and I'm going to make it all the way. Can I just tell you this here tonight? Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop where you are moving. You've just got to keep praying on. It may be dark right now. You may not be able to see around the bend. You may not be able to see in the next week or next month, but I'm going to tell you something. If you'll just harden up some determination and say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're just going to keep pressing and the Lord's going to keep building and the Lord's going to keep doing and he's going to keep helping us. But you got to make sure that you don't let yourself get infected. Get infected with bad stuff. The Bible tells us that Pentecost occurred after a tarrying time. And whatever the cost uh, that, that is involved, I'm just wanting to encourage you and tell you here tonight that, that there's some obligation required. There, there's a time where that, that even in the middle of defeat that you got to stretch yourself out and you got to say, you know what? I'm fixing to get back up and I'm fixing to go back at it again. I don't care what obstacle is against me. I don't care what hindrance is opposing me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go after it again. Amen. And no matter how difficult it may seem, there is a God that can help you to recover. Now, here's what the devil wants to make us think. He wants to make us think that we're just like Esau and you can't ever get your birthright back. 
That's what he wants you to focus in on. He, he tells you, you, you've already sold something, and uh, you're never going to be able to get that back uh, again. But I'm going to tell I thank God for his mercy and for his grace. I thank God that there's times where that the Lord provides second and third and 15 and, and 20 and 25 chances to say, you know, Brother Adam, don't, don't think that it just started here this morning. There's going to be other times and and I know how it is sometimes to preach and you feel like man it didn't get where I wanted it to go but you know what I'm not going to quit just because one sermon didn't get where I wanted it to go I'm not going to quit because one song didn't get where I wanted it to go I'm not going to quit because one prayer meeting didn't get where I wanted it to go I'm going to stay at it and sometimes the devil wants to make you think you're like Judas, that you betrayed something that you're never going to be able to redeem again. Or he sometimes can whisper in our ear that you're like the rich young ruler and you lost, you bypassed that opportunity. There's never going to be another opportunity that's going to come along for you to be able to say, hey, uh, I missed that opportunity. Y'all ever cry over spilt milk? I occasionally cry over spilt milk. I look back and there's times where that you look where opportunities presented itself in life. And for whatever reason, you didn't take the opportunity. And uh, you second guess. And any older you get, the more you think, man, I wish I could, I could turn around and go back. That's the way that rich young ruler probably was. But I'm going to tell you what, because of the way that God operates in our lives, there ought to be something about it that you say, you know what, uh, there, there's a U-turn. Even if you got to get off the interstate and drive a few miles and find you a bridge, it goes over so you can turn around and come back in the other direction. I'm going to tell you what, if you miss the exit that's going by Bucky's because you weren't paying attention and you think, man, I miss that sweet roll. Just hang on because there's another exit. Now, it's down a little ways. It's about five miles beyond if you're going west. And you think, okay, I wanted that sweet roll, but I wasn't paying attention. I missed my exit. And you find that exit and you turn around and you come back. I, I know what I'm talking about here tonight, okay? And then you go in Bucky's and then... My grandkids love this. Get your phone out the window and video. We got the Bucky's, y'all. And then when I walk in the door, I'm kind of doing this where I don't want anybody to be notice what I'm doing. And uh, and a bristle is what I do for my, my grandchildren. And I take that video and I start going down the aisle. I don't want anybody to notice what I'm doing, but I'm talking to that phone. Hey, guys. Hey, hey y'all. I'm fixing to try to find y'all something in Bucky's. And then I send that video to our group text. And, uh, boy, they get to watching that video. And... Uh, <coughs> That's what happens whenever you turn around and go back. But you got to be careful because sometimes you buy the hats that are too small and they don't fit. I'm going to do better, Asher. Next time I go there, I'm not going to get you. I'm going to get you a hat that's going to fit. Uh, but, but that's what the enemy wants to do. 
He, he wants to tell you there's no way for you to turn around and get back to that particular opportunity. But that, I'm going to tell you something that the Lord told us in John chapter 8 and verse 44 that the devil is the father of all lies. So can I tell you something? If the devil's talking to you, he's lying. He's not telling you the truth. You loser, you misfit, you're never going to get that opportunity back again. I want to just tell you here tonight that he's a liar. He's a father of all lies. He's a murderer. He would love his best to get you in a place where you think, oh, my Lord, it's all terrible down there. It's sick lag, and there's no way I'm going to be able to get it all back. I'm telling you now, get on your horse. Get on your buggy. Do whatever you've got to do if it takes you three days to get back down to sick lag. You can do the same thing that David did. And the Bible tells us that when he walked in there that he, he saw the problem. He saw the problem. And yet here's what the scriptures have to say. <coughs> Y'all need to underline that in your Bible. This is a new Bible. And I hadn't underlined it, but I've underlined it in my, my others. You see there at the end of verse 19, David recovered all. You ought to underline that. You ought to highlight it. Look there at verse 18. You see in that first phrase, and David recovered all. You ought to, you ought to put a big red box around that, and you ought to highlight it. So every time that you open up 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 30, that you see that they leap off the page at you and you can see he recovered. Now here's another verse that you ought to underline. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. What does that look like? Rejoice not against me, O oh mine enemy. What does that look like? It looks like Brother Ramsher coming around here and inspecting the building at night and looking around and calling Brother Patterson and I and saying, I hate to tell you brothers this, but we got problems. And then he starts showing us what the problems are. And then Brother Ramsher comes down here and and talks. He says those bricks have got to come down because those bricks were not put up the way that they should have been put up. And whenever all the guys finally come in and they see, hey, this hadn't been done right. And God sent Brother Ramster in here to help us because I'm going to tell you, if he had not been here, we would have already had problems. And so here's what happened. 40,000 brick. Wrap your mind around that. 40,000 brick have to come down. And here I am. I'm on the back side. And it's at night. Nobody is around here. It's, there's no parking lot lights. It's, it's dark. And I'm walking around, stumbling around on those blocks. And or those brick. I'm going to tell you what. I don't remember if I was crying, but I was mad. Oh, I was mad. 
I shouldn't have been mad, but I was. I was mad. And, uh, and that, that song cranks up in my mind that, that the enemy has and said, Oh, boy, y'all are not going to build a church around here. Uh, you, you can't do that. It's all just going to fold up, and it's going to just fall over in a hole. It's kind of like Tobiah and saying ballot, that spirit, those nasty spirits coming around and, and saying, I tell you, there's a, a fox gets up on that wall, it's going to fall down. And, and uh, all of a sudden, it's like on the inside. It's like uh, rejoice not against me, oh, mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Now, if you wonder why I did a little whatever I did over there tonight, and I need to get in better shape so I can do it more often. I'm going to tell you that's why. It's because when I walked in here after we had baptized, somebody and I walked in here and everybody was singing there was something in my heart that rose up and said you know what I don't care how bad the marriage looks it's going to survive I don't care how bad that the family looks the children are going to be saved I don't care what's taking place in your life God is working harder to save me than I'm trying to save myself listen to me church you ought to remember that. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to sick lag and I'm going to recover everything that has been taken away from me. I will get those things in my hands if you'll just let me fight one more time. If I can go another round, if I can ball up my fist, I'll find every devil. I'll get a hold of every demon that tries to stop and to hinder what God is going to do in our lives. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I'm going to arise. If we've fallen, sometimes the challenge is to get back up. We look around at Ziklag, looted, destroyed. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, I'm going to have another opportunity. Sister Ned, Sister Ron, didn't I sing good when I was standing over here beside y'all? That's right. I knew that. Sister Emily, I blessed you when I was standing right there next to the piano singing tonight. I thought, I need to get over here on this side over here and get to singing so I can just bless this whole side over here. I'm, I'm, y'all just listen to me, okay? It don't matter how good you can sing. It's what's in your heart Oh, yes, it is. I mean, if, it, if it's in your heart, it don't matter if it's two keys off. It doesn't matter if it's just sing, just worship. Just say, you know what? God, you've been good to me. You've helped me. You've delivered me, and I'm going to make it the whole way with your help. With your help. And yet the enemy wants you to Get to looking around it at a ziklag. I'm going to tell you, David refused to lift a hand against Saul. He refused to lift a hand against his men. And uh, I want to just tell you a principle here tonight. He, he decided, he said, I'm not going to mess with Saul and I'm not going to get after my men. But he said, I'm going to tell you what, every bit of the energy and the 
the aggravation and frustration that I feel. I'm going to take it out on the Amalekites. Here's the principle. Be careful that whenever you get into a place of loss that you don't get after a brother or a sister or a pastor or a parent or an elder or, a, or somebody that's around you. Be careful about that. Take all of your energy and get it on the inside and go after the devil because that's what the devil's trying to do. If he can disrupt your life and get you to biting your brother and biting your sister or biting a pastor or biting an elder or biting somebody in in your life, then what he's going to do is he's going to step back and he's going to watch every bit of that. But there ought to be something in every one of our hearts that says, you know what? He's not, that they're not the problem. My brother, my sister, my pastor, my elders, they're not the problem. The problem is, is the devil. And I'm fixing to go after and I'm going to recover everything that that enemy has tried to take away from me. Come on, Pentecostals. You know what? what I'm talking about, especially some of y'all that's been in this thing for a long time. You know how to pray through trouble. You know how to fast through difficulty. You know how to worship God when you feel like your back is up against a wall. That's what I'm preaching about here tonight is to say I'm going against every single odd that gets thrown in my direction. That's just not about right. It is right. It's right. Is that the Lord can help us. I know sometimes, oh, that's just emotion. Well, they got pretty emotional when Alabama won those national championships, didn't they? Isn't that something? They get drunk. They go crazy. They spend all this money. And yet, emotional in the ball game, but when you get into a church, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all, help me. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord has done a whole lot more for me than that Auburn championship that got won 20 years ago. Okay, now, I know you bammers, y'all got a whole lot more than that, but I at least got two of them. And uh, you got excited about your seven or eight or 11 or 49 or ever how many you had. I got excited about the two or three I've got. But you know something? I'm way more excited about what the Lord has done for me than any football team. I'll tell you this, even any raise, even any accomplishment that has ever came into my life, the Lord is good to me. He filled me with his spirit. He's filled me up with his word. I know how to pray. I know how to fast. Have I had some troubles? Oh yeah. Have you had some troubles? Yes you have. But there ought to be something on the inside of you that says I'm emotional about this and I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to open my mouth up and I'm going to praise God for what he's done. And so it's time. It's time to recover your worship. It's time to recover your commitment. It's time for you to recover your holiness. It's time for you to recover your devotion to prayer. It's time for you to recover your hunger for the word of God. It's time for you to recover your desire to reach the lost. That's what I'm preaching about here tonight is to say I'm going to move against those odds. I'm moving against them. I'm going to move against those odds. 
And I'm going to give you a few nuggets. Here's a few nuggets for you. Moses made it to 120 years, and the Bible says his eyes didn't dim. The Bible also tells me that the latter house is going to be better than the former house. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And patient in spirit is better than proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. And so here's the thing. God's day starts at night. Y'all, y'all know that. God, God's day starts at, at night. His height rises when the sun rises. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, it states that evening and morning was the first day. If you ever forget this, I want to remind you of it right now. God's working night shift. He's working night. When you go home tonight and you lay down and you go to sleep, and all the troubles and the turmoils that sometimes get in our mind. Here's what you've got to realize and understand that while you're sleeping, that God is working night shift. In fact, the Bible tells us that before the children of Israel ever got to the Red Sea, that the Lord said that there was an east wind that started way in the middle of the night, which tells me this, is before Israel ever even knew that the enemy was coming after them, the Lord already had a for it. There is something in my spirit here tonight that I want to tell you that that whatever you face tomorrow whatever you face next week whatever you face next month that God's already got a solution that he's working out before you ever get there because that east wind is blowing I feel I feel that Brother Arnold spirit getting on me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so loud here tonight. Pardon me for, for, for interrupting and, and being loud. But I feel what I am preaching here tonight. I'm going to tell you God's got a plan. You say, y'all heard about Pastor Jack Hibbs? Some of y'all don't even know who Pastor Jack Hibbs is. Let me tell you who Pastor Jack Hibbs is. Pastor Jack Hibbs, pastors Calvary Chapel in uh, <coughs> Chino Hills, California. And uh, he got invited by the speaker of the house, Mike Johnson, to open up the prayer in Congress. And uh, so here's the way it works is you have to write your prayer out and then you have to send it in because you got to make sure you cover all the all the, you got to cover all your bases. You can't pray in Jesus' name, and you got to make sure that it's so it's so politically correct and so religiously benign that you got to make sure you cover all your bases. We wouldn't want the is, is Muslims upset. We wouldn't want the Buddhists upset. We wouldn't want all the rest of the New Agers and, and all the peyote smokers and the beer drinkers to be upset by this prayer. And so uh, here's what happened. Uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs got up there. You can look it up on YouTube. It's, it's pretty impressive. And, and uh, he said that the closer he got to his time for praying, he said he'd wrote up 
this little old prayer, and he said he thought, you know what, I, I, I've got to, I've, I've got to, I can't just go in there and just read this prayer. And uh, so he got there. I think it was on January the 15th or maybe February the 15th. It's been here in the last few days. And he got up and he started praying. And I'm going to tell you, the Calvary Chapel boys, they're spirit-filled. So he got a little bit of a Pentecostal sway about him. And the old guy got up and started praying. And the next thing you know, the Democrats is pulling their ear, their, their ear uh, what do you call them, um, what do they call them? Not headphones. It's when you got your hearing's not good. Hearing aids. It's like all these these Democrats. They pulling their hearing aids out. Oh dear God, we can't hear this guy pray this prayer. And he prayed. I'm going to in the power of Jesus' name. He prayed about the resurrection. He prayed about the second coming of the Lord. He prayed that you guys are going to answer to God for the decisions that you're making. I'm going to tell you something. There's times where the, the devil starts pushing you in the corner. And you ought to say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm just going to go ahead and do the will of God. It doesn't matter what happens. And 27 Democrats have written letters, and they're all out of sorts and upside down about it. I thought that was pretty good. Okay, but let me tell you what's scary. Is they took AI, artificial intelligence. And then they run his prayer through AI. And you can find it on YouTube. And it has nothing that even resembles the prayer that he prayed in the House of Representatives to open up Congress here just a few weeks ago. It's pretty scary. He's also just written a new book. It's called Days of Deception. D-A-Z-E. Days of Deception. Well, here's what's happened. AI has gotten copies of that. They have manipulated the text. And because they have manipulated the text, then what, they've, what they're doing is they're now selling books that's totally different from what, what his original intent was. Amazon is limiting the amount of books that he can sell in the really good place. The only place you can really make sure you get an authentic copy is from Harvest House Publishers. I started hearing all that stuff about AI. And then I got to thinking, I've got a video that it because of the times, Brother Ken Gurley, that pastors there in Houston, they put him up. And uh, Brother Gurley was talking, and he was talking in English, and then they run him through AI. And before it was over, with 17 different languages that Brother Ken Gurley was talking there at Because of the Times. I'm going to just tell you this, church. There's coming a day that if you're not careful, that AI is going to deceive you. It's going to cause you to think, man, what if our general superintendent was to get up and he was to say, you know what? I've been in prayer and fasting and study and some of the things that we've kind of always taught in the past. I don't know if those things are true. And you hear him say that. I'm going to tell you, there are going to be some that because of AI working, that they would say, yeah, that, that's right. That's what I've always believed. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. 
We're in dark days. We're in dark hours. And if ever a local church, be careful about all your rock stars that you've got out there on YouTube. I'm not saying turn them off because that would be almost cultic. But I'm going to tell you this. You better know your Bible so well that whenever you start hearing those guys preach and some of those women talking, you better know your Bible in such a way where that you know the truth and you're not going to be rattled or taken to one side or the other side. If ever there was a premium on this pulpit preaching the word of God and preaching truth, it's now. It's right now that you ought to say we ought to get plugged into this thing. I know I'm calling out names here tonight. Jack Hibbs, John MacArthur. I got to listen to one of John MacArthur's recent sermons. He was talking about the unfolding of the seals. This was about two weeks ago. And he started talking about AI. He started talking about the World Economic Forum and about how we're moving toward digital currency. Got to talking about our borders being open. Do y'all, that concern y'all about our borders just being wide open and that millions are coming in? These are dark days and the enemy wants us to walk around in fear. But listen to me. The same God that was with the Apostle Paul and was with Peter and all the rest of those guys, that same God. We've got the same word that they had in the first century and there ought to be a commitment inside of us that you know what the mark of the beast is coming the tribulation is coming the rapture is going to take place and whatever the devil has taken away from you you need to turn around tonight and say I'm going to get every bit that was taken away from me I'm going to have it don't stop church don't stop don't stop what you are doing now it matters it matters it matters Eleazar loaded up with riches for a bride that's just pocket change in comparison to what would come to that bride once he got her back to Isaac just pocket change what we experienced around here tonight just pocket change compared to what you're going to experience in heaven. But the devil wants you to buy into the lie. Buy into the thought. Oh, that's just emotion. Oh, that's just that. that you don't have to do that. You, you don't. Please. I don't want this church to go dead. And I'm going to stay at you. And I'm going to tell you, you need to worship the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you need to be reading your Bible. I'm going to tell you, you need to be staying away from the world. Those are things that I'm going to say. We've got to, as Revelation 18, come out of her, my people. Babylon has nothing for us. We don't want to live in the city of Babylon, but there's a new Jerusalem that's waiting on us on the other side. Go after it, church. Get against the odds and go back and get everything that has been taken away from you and say, I'm going to get my hands on that. Musicians, y'all come on. The devil's a liar. He's a sifter. He's a destroyer. But the Lord is a rebuilder and a restorer. If Samson could take a jawbone, if Shamgar could pick up an ox goad, if Gideon could pick up a picture, 
and whatever you can get in your hands, you ought to pick it up. And you ought to say, I'm going to go after it. David had a single slingshot to knock the giant down. He killed that giant. And everything that Goliath brought to him, he took it down. Brother Harold told me this story. John Coulter. Y'all ever heard of John Coulter? John Coulter was going west with Lewis and Smith. And uh, when they got and had crossed the Rockies and had made it to the Pacific, John Coulter, one other man, told Lewis and Smith, Y'all hadn't read that book that uh, I'm getting bad. I'm getting Alzheimer's. God wrote all those World War II books. He, the title of the book is called Undaunted Courage. Stephen Ambrose, thank you. My wife, boy, she is a scholar. Stephen Ambrose wrote that book called Undaunted Courage, and it talks about the Lewis and Smith expedition but they got to the Pacific and they started turning around they started coming back and John Coulter and one other guy said I tell you what we're, we're going to stay and uh, y'all go ahead and we're going to stay out here and we're going to explore well John Coulter's buddy he uh, got sick and he died and so John Coulter's all by himself and uh, he started checking out the, the wildlife that was there. He's the first man to witness the geysers there at Yellowstone. His diary tells stories about whitewater rapids, dangerous Indians that tested his courage. And somehow or another, John Coulter managed to get himself captured by some Blackfeet Indians. They swarmed him. They stripped him. Tore his shoes off. And um, they're trying to figure out what they're, what they're going to do with him. And uh, so the chief come up to John Coulter and he said, uh, Ever how he conveyed it. Uh, oh no. Say, can you run like a deer? And uh, Coulter looked up at him and he said, No, he said, I'm I'm really more like a turtle. And so the chief said, Well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you a 300 yard head start. And uh he said, when you get 300 yards out, he said, I'm going to let my guys go. And he said, they're going to run you down. Now think about this, okay? Blackfeet Indian, he's barefooted as a yard dog, as they say. <clears throat> and he took off. No shoes. 300 yards ahead of him. He spotted a line of trees. And uh, you, you look at 
this. This is on the internet. So if you want to fact check me, he tells a story. And uh, he found this line of trees. And he got in that line of trees. And then those Indians came up in there. And somehow or another, he, he managed to slip away from them. And uh, he run a mile, then two miles, then three miles. Feet cut to ribbons. But he knows that if he stops, they're going to kill him. And so finally he manages to get to where he's outrun every one of them but one lone Indian. And he slips in and that Indian runs right by him and he catches him and he kills him. And then for the next little while he slipped down into the river and uh, he'd swim a little ways hiding under logs and brush and all that other stuff and uh, finally managed to slip past them now think about this it was all said and done he ended up running to a fort and when he got to that fort he had run 156 miles and he managed to go against the odds and he made it I almost wish that was a story in the Bible Listen to me. You may have some hellhounds on your trail here tonight. You may feel like you have been fighting the devil tooth and nail. But when we got to the end of Brother Harold's funeral the other day, they started showing some clips of him preaching. I was sitting up there next to Brother Hughes and old Brother Harold one of the last sermons that he preached in Bridge City I mean he is in high gear and he's telling that church don't stop don't stop don't stop I sat there in that chair and I got up on my feet I'll be honest with you, boy, I was crying. I told the Lord on that platform, February the 12th, 2024, Lord, I am not going to stop. They may take me down. They, I, 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 may, I may fall down seven times. But the Bible tells us that the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up again. I want to tell the church here tonight, don't stop Dothan don't stop you can't afford to quit now we're too close to the end there ought to be something inside of you that says you know what I may not have lost anything but I've got to get something back in my tank I've got to get something back in my sails I've got to get some prayer meetings cranked up 
I've got to get some commitment crank back up again because I refuse to stop. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care what the World Economic Forum is doing. I don't care what any of the Antichrist spirits are doing. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make it. Oh, yes, I am.